appreciate that your your heart for God is very evident. You want to glorify the Lord with your gifts of uh, praise and song. And what a what a fitting topic! Uh, give me Jesus, only Jesus. We can't be reminded of that enough. That everything that we are about, everything that we have, it from the Father came through Jesus to us. So we're benefiting from that this morning. Thank you for sharing your talents for us in that offering. Well, as you know, we are in a uh, little mini sermon series, sermon series on the Great Commission. And I decided to just kind of stall here for a little while like a, like a storm stalls and then just keeps dumping rain and dumping rain and dumping rain. I just wanted to keep dumping this idea on us and our hearts and our minds about the importance of the Great Commission. And this morning will be our final sermon, uh, but it's actually, re- I've really never done anything like this before. It's a little different. It's way more practical than usual. And we will have, so I will actually give you um, specific things that we can do, ways that we can respond to this message. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about discipleship and missions, and then uh, we'll end our time with about a 15-minute testimony um, from Pal Vang, just to kind of wet our whistle and to to give us an idea of how powerful it is to share the gospel. And what you'll learn is that his people group was an unreached people group. And how God brought the gospel to him. It's very, very powerful. And honestly, you know, my desire for this final sermon is is to kind of clench our understanding. And more importantly, a desire to act on what we've been learning. To act on how can I be a disciple, a better disciple? What can I do to make disciples? And then open our minds to the importance of missions. Because I know that we are engaged in missions but we want to constantly be reminded of how important it is because that's what God loves and that's what honors the Lord. So we're going to read this passage, Matthew 28, 16 through 20. And and as I finish reading this this morning, this is the official goodbye to the book of Matthew. I can't, I don't know how, only by God's grace that we covered 28 chapters in a mere 110 sermons. 110 sermons. Uh, I don't ever know how many sermons it will take, but there's just so much there as I think about a passage. I think, well, I can't leave that out. Well, I can't leave that out. And I can't leave that out. And so 110 sermons later. But it's been Jesus is King. And what an awesome gospel this has been. To study, So we're going to read from Matthew the last time and venture in to our text. 28, 16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. In our first sermon, we discovered that the ultimate mission, because we're talking about a commission, a great mission, 
The ultimate mission of God is to bring glory to himself, to receive glory and to bring glory to himself. That's what everything is about. Creation before the fall, after the fall, in heaven, everything is about glorifying the triune God. And in the second sermon, we saw that the way God glorifies himself in this season of covenants, if you will, uh, he glorified himself before the fall just by the goodness and purity of all his creation. He glorifies himself primarily in this season by redeeming fallen man, by saving lost souls. It brings him honor and glory to change a heart. He glorified himself in creation before the fall. And now he glorifies himself in recreation. 1 Corinthians 5.17 When we get saved, we are new creatures. It's, it's another creative power of God. And it brings him much glory. To take a wayward soul, a hurting soul, a lost heart, and put them on the path of life and truth so we have our bearing. And most importantly... When our minds are pointed to him, he is glorified. And then in the third sermon, we saw that, well, the main mission is for God to receive glory. And he does that through the redemption of man. The way that we can glorify God as his servants is by being disciples and making disciples. That is a a practical way, an all-encompassing way. Everything that we're about has to do with being Christ's disciple and making disciples for the glory of God. And it's just my passion that God would use this series to really stir our hearts, to redirect us if, if we needed this as a reminder, to remind us and open our eyes to the importance of missions, to the importance of Bible study, to the importance of sharing the gospel with our friends or people that we go to school with, praying for someone, sending a note, all of the anything that we can do. To play our part in bringing God glory. And we were reminded that everything that we do here at New Covenant Fellowship is around that. That's the impetus. That's why we exalt God and edify the saints to to be disciples and evangelize the lost to make disciples. So it drives everything that we are individually and also corporately. So may God... Stir our hearts as we think about the gospel and and missions and sharing the gospel. I was reminded that, uh, you know, we we have played our part. Uh, We support missionaries near and broad, some close by and some overseas. Uh, We have sent a few the best we can with our budget. We've sent people out to different places. Um, We sent uh, Bobby Hill to Japan and uh, helped play a part in that, and he came back with part of Japan with him. So that worked out pretty good. Rather than staying there, he said, I'll just bring him back here with us. So that, that worked out pretty good. I think the, I guess our very latest endeavor would have been Abigail, who went um, to Thailand, right? I kept wanting to say Taiwan. She kept correcting me, Thailand, Dad. I'm going to Thailand, not Taiwan. But she went and with Jeff and Cookie, and so she could serve by taking care of the kids so that the missionaries that are serving overseas could, could um, take in all the teaching and the encouragement that God had for them to build them up. And there's been a lot of ways, I mentioned last time, that this church invested in me um, the best you could. And God provided, and I went to Bible college having no idea that I would wind up being a pastor. 
Only God knew that, I think. Uh, but so, so we can, as we can, this church has engaged in different missions trips and Guatemala and New York and Romania and, and different things. So we want to do that, but we want to be reminded of the importance of that as well. And our, um, our missions budget, so I know that you tithe and our, this church tithes in the sense that about 12 to 15 percent, it goes up and down a little bit, of the funds that are given in here goes directly towards missions, and that's what makes up our missions budget. 12 to 15 percent of everything that comes through this church. And so that could be near, could be a cross-cultural mission. We've been reminded of the importance of, of that because why would we even care about people we don't even know? Uh, people that do things so differently than us. And the answer is because God cares. You know, if we care about God, if we love God, then we're going to care about what God loves. We're going to care about what He loves. The fact of the matter is, when we love something, we're going to do it. We're going to go after it. And so I hope that this passage and, and the prayers and the meditation that have gone into it will just move our heart a little closer to loving the things that God does. We are designed to be worshipers. We're designed to love things, to give ourselves to things. Right now, everybody in this room is giving themselves to something. You're loving on something, something you want. You're going after it. The more you like it, the more you want to give your mind to it, spend time with it. And God says the most important commandment is love God. Everything that we are, he should have preeminence. In our thought life, in our actions, in our deeds, whatever, as we go through life, preeminence. But if we love something, we will go after it. And so we want to try to love what God loves. We want to go after the gospel and go after missions. And humanity needs to hear the good news. And so Jesus says, go therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. I find these very interesting final words. And these are the final words in Matthew's account before Jesus ascends to the Father. We're not going to see Him again as the saints until He comes back. He'll return and He'll redeem us and we'll just all go up and have a feast and a glorious party. But His final words, a lot of times in our culture, in our world, we see it in the movies all the time. What do you tell somebody if you know that you're not going to see him again, or at least for a long, long time, maybe on the other side. And most of the time, it's that the thing you want them to know the most is, I love you. Just know this. My final words, I want my final words to be, I love you. Well, Jesus has really already said that. He's been saying that his whole ministry. And he's been living it. He's been proving it to them. And this is on the other side of the resurrection. He died for them. So he's already clarified that. Those final words here are kind of a, a summary of what his death, his life and his death and his resurrection were all about. Kind of a summary and a reminder of what he was accomplishing with all of that. And then he, he ends or his, his final words are a challenge. They're a command. It's not a I love you. Be good. It's a command. So, 
the, the reminder is that everything he has done, I have what I've accomplished is that all authority has been given to me. It's so important to understand before we think about discipleship is that we we engage in it under the authority of the sovereign God. There's not a single square inch of anything anywhere that is not under the reign and rule of Christ. He's bringing it all into subjection. It's not all there yet, but it will be. So every act of discipleship that we engage in is under the authority of God. And it's with the promise of his presence. He doesn't just send us and uh, I wish you the best for you. It's going to be hard out there. But it's this perpetual presence that it's so much on his heart and mind that he says, I'm invested. I'm with all of you until the very end. So this is a long term thing that we're thinking about. It's not a it's not a sprint. It is a marathon to give God glory through all of uh, the nations. So go and make disciples. It's so important to keep that in mind, the authority, because we will encounter things that seem impossible. To be honest with you, the, the idea that a, a stranger could come into, go into a culture with an entirely different set of beliefs, even just practices, and but entirely, entirely different teaching on a God than what you're used to, and actually win converts, change hearts and minds is incredible. Because you know how stubborn and set in our ways that we can be? Can you imagine if somebody came into our culture and tried to sway us? What would it take? As firm as we may be in our lifestyle and our beliefs. Well, when you go to another person, it takes the power of God. And God gives that power because He has authority. It just boggles my mind when you think about people from other nations that have not heard the gospel before and have all different kind of beliefs will set their hearts on the one and only true God. It's an amazing thing and it happens and it is happening because of the Great Commission and the authority of Christ and the presence of Christ. And because He's King, as Matthew told us, He demands to be worshipped. He demands that people all over the world repent of their idolatry. Repent of materialism, whatever it is that the wrong things that they're loving and give him their allegiance. He's the king. He's worthy of it. He's the creator. And so, yeah, his message goes out. His command goes out for all to repent. And for all to embrace the truth. And so we play a part in spreading that good news that there is salvation in God alone, in Christ alone. I think it's obvious that Jesus says these final words in this way because he wants us to act. You know, there's there's teachings that Jesus gives and he just wants us to think about them. Of course, all of it is to change us. But there's not always like this, this command thrown out there, a challenge thrown out there, a mission. This is a mission. This isn't something to, to just scratch our heads about. Think, wow, that would be neat. Well, what a challenge. This is something that he fully intends for us to act upon. And in a recent conversation with Jeff and Cookie, there's a, uh, there's, I was reminded of a part of this important commission that is often overlooked in the process of making disciples. 
And that is, he says to go out and he, and he says to make disciples. And how do you do that? Well, you teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And so we, we picture ourselves teaching, proclaiming the good news. My version says teaching them to observe. Yours may say teaching them to obey. It's the same thing. It's the obedience factor. The obedience factor is involved in discipleship. We can't be disciples if we're not going to obey the truths that God is blessing us with. And the process, the process of discipleship, yes, it entails proclaiming. It, it includes the facts and the truths and the reading and so forth. But it is designed so that the ultimate result is that people just don't know the truth, but they are walking in it, trusting it, and obeying it. And so we have been given that challenge, just like parents. We don't just set the rules, but we teach our kids to obey the rules. Now, that takes more investment because it's one thing to just share something, but when you have to actually teach someone to observe these things, to obey, they, obey those things, that brings it to another level. So we want to be thinking about that as well. Teaching obedience. Now, there's a lot of different ways to do that. The Apostle Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So we can do modeling. When you see me doing what the Bible teaches, then imitate that. It's a, it's a practical way. I'll, sometimes I see people uh, do things. I thought, well, that's a good way to do that. I never, I always wondered it might be awkward. Or even like evangelism, how do you evangelize? Well, watch somebody do it. And it breaks the ice. But the goal is that we act on this. The goal is not just telling, but it's teaching to obey. That's one of the reasons I love uh, the book Pilgrim's Progress. Because all along Pilgrim's, I mean Christian's pilgrimage, God's sending this person and this person. The enemy's meeting him here and the enemy's meeting him here. And he's got all these different rabbit trails that he can take, but God's just sending people to remind them this is the path and this is where you're headed to stay on course. And that's discipleship. God uses all of us in each other's lives to encourage and to exhort and to help along the path. That's discipleship. Now, what I want to do now is kind of transition into, all right, if this is a passage whereby we are meant to actually do something and not just be entertained by it, what are some things that I can do? Now, I know that many of you are already engaged in things, but these are just very practical steps we can take because God wants us to take a step. Very practical things we can do here. Um, now, John Piper comes up with six possible moves, six potential ways that we can respond to this passage. What I've done is I've taken them, I've edited them, and come up with nine ways that we can... Um, and these are not exhaust, exhausted. They're just meant to get us in motion. Nine ways that we can react to this passage. The one thing, New Covenant Fellowship, get involved with our missions committee. Pray about God. Is that how you would have me to serve? Is that the step you want me to take? Get involved with our missions committee. Join the team if you're able. They meet, I think, once a month. And they pray about every penny that goes out. The money that comes in, they pray about it. 
and how it should go out. They agonize over this with this small budget and all the different needs that come. Think about, is this a way that I can be involved in this commission? Listen to the reports. Listen to the ways they agonize. Pray with them over the decisions that need to be made. They've been entrusted by the leadership of this church to to serve in that capacity and to represent our church family. So practically, you might think about, is that a way for me to take a step and respond to this? Second possibility is to commit to pray for a, a group that's involved with missions. If it's not your ability to join the missions team, you might say, well, I can pray for them. And then just make a commitment in 2020. I'm going to pray for our missions committee. Ask them, how can I specifically stay in the loop? How can I specifically pray for you? Or pray for a people group. Pray for a ministry that our church supports. Now, we have many people in here that have ministries. We have Restoration Farm and Glory Reigns and Weekday Religious Education. There's other things that are going on. But just sink, sink your heart into that. God, I'm going to specifically pray for this or, or four months for this one and four months for that. Just break it up however you, you will. But rather than just assuming, well, surely somebody's praying for them. Take it upon yourself and make a commitment before God. I'm going to take that under that responsibility for the glory of God and pray for them. Or you could pray for a lost people group. An unreached people group. Now, there's a few books on the table back there. They're not free. Please don't take them. You'd break a command if you did. Uh, in the near future, I hope to have some books out there that will be free. Uh, it's just a sample. By no means are they like the top books on discipleship and missions. Um, but there's Operation World back there that tells you about all the people groups, all the religions. Um, you, can, you can buy one of those. They also have... Um, Global Digest, Daily Global Digest. It's online and you can put it in your toolbar and click it every morning. And and before your very eyes becomes an unreached people group that they're targeting that particular day. And it's it's um, good for the whole family because a lot of them start with a story about what these people's lives, like a little boy wakes up and he does this or he encounters this. And they give us specific ways to pray. So maybe an uh, an unreached people group or just all the unreached people group or committing to something like that. It's it's an action. It's doing something. And these things are very important and need to be done. Still on number two, I really spread this one out. But um, also community groups. I know that your community groups take personal prayer requests and praises. But maybe just... Adopt a few of these things, a peop, unreached people group or a ministry that we um, uh, serve at New Covenant Fellowship. Take it maybe one, one week or one month or whatever. The group leader can decide. But see, we can still be engaging. There's more that we can do in this area of prayer. Another thing we can do, third, is commit to evangelize. It's a huge weakness. It's a weakness of mine. It's a big weakness of mine to evangelize. I'm, I'm, I'm with Christian people all the time. That's my job. And so my, my mind is usually thinking about church. And a lot of times I miss opportunities. But we want to commit 
to evangelize. Come up with a, a number. Ask God, you know, who is there a person or or I commit to a, one time a week. Look for an opportunity to reach out to somebody. And I encourage you to um, find a method of evangelism that you're comfortable with so that you're always prepared. Because if you don't know the scripture verses, there's the Roman road, there's the, the way of the master, evangelism explosion. Um, a book that I liked and I could not find it. I may have lent it out if you have it. Uh, let me know. Um, but it's Share Jesus Without Fear. It's one of the best books that it's, it shows you how to be natural. Because a lot of times we're sweating and thinking about what do I say. And, and this is just a natural way to segue into the gospel. Share Jesus Without Fear by William Fay. A great book. But I encourage you, you've got to memorize scriptures and put them in your heart so when the opportunity arises, you can clearly communicate the scriptures. Sometimes there's, there's ways that can do it with just four or five. Some people say five or six. Some people say six or ten. But there are scriptures that need to be memorized. And I encourage you, commit to do that, to take a step. Here's another way, number four. Might sound silly, but it's effective. Get a piggy bank or a jar and start putting money into it and increase your giving for missions. You can put a name on where you want it to go and or, or you can just put it in there and give it to the missions committee for however they uh, choose to do it. But change adds up. And every time you put a even just a penny, pray. Pray for that person. And remember... The widow's might. God is honored by small amounts. I know Americans, we think big. And sometimes we're so arrogant. Well, if I can't give $100, it's not even worth it. Every penny, God sees that. That's, that's a step forward. To get something out and plunk some money in there. Maybe at the end of the year, take it and offer it to, Lord, to the Lord as an offering. So these are steps we can take. The fifth one is buy a good book uh, on missionaries, uh, a, a missionary story. You know, John Razima's well-read with missionaries. He's always talking about stories that um, they have accomplished. This morning we heard about George Mueller and his orphanage. There are a lot of good books out there, biographies and so forth. And they tell how people, by, with God's help, did the impossible. They went into cultures. And sometimes it took decades or centuries before the seeds that were planted came to fruition. These are powerful stories that remind us of the heart of God. You know, Hudson, there's one back there on Hudson Taylor, uh, William Carey, Amy Carmichael. They're very, very powerful. Um, John Piper, I think, has written like uh, a couple dozen biographies, short biographies on missionaries. There's one back there, 21 Servants of God or something like that. They're not all missionaries, but they're people of God, pastors that were engaged in great works. But it will help kindle your heart and flame the fire for the importance of how God works in his heart for missions. Elizabeth Elliot, that whole story that's was in our um, time frame. Pick up a biography and then pick up another one and another one. To keep our hearts and minds open. And here's another suggestion. And not everybody could do this. Attend a conference. 
There are missions conferences all over the place, and you don't have to be a missionary to attend a lot of these. And they're not all just strictly about missions. Some of them have a different slant, but one that's fairly close is the Wilberforce Weekend um, through Prison Fellowship Ministries, Chuck Colson's ministry, and that's in Northern Virginia. Uh, And you'll hear all kinds of teachings and testimonies. When we go to the pastor's conference, they're constantly talking about cross. It's a missions conference for young people. I think maybe 16 to 22 or something like that. A missions conference. So, so if you can attend, you'll be surprised how God might work. It would be a wise investment to attend a missions conference or some kind of conference if you are able. Another practical thing we can do to keep this on the burner is sharing with your community group steps that you've taken. And that's some of your um, questions that you'll look at, your community group questions. But share how you have decided to act based on this command. What have you done in your life? And you encourage your brothers and sisters with that. Number eight, if you're truly stirred, And you sense that God is doing something. You're not exactly sure it might be through disciple. You're thinking about discipling someone or pertaining to discipleship or missions. Maybe you're thinking about a short term or a long term. There may be people in here thinking, you know, I very well may be called to missions as a lifestyle. Please let us know. If you're not sure, we would love to pray for you. Guidance and direction. We want to do whatever we can with the means and resources we, ha- we can to promote that and bring that to fruition if that's something that God has started. So if you need any kind of prayer, any kind of clarification, I would love to talk to you. If they're stirring, but you're like, I'm not sure to know if this is from God or not, let's pray together about it. That's how it starts. I think last week I shared that for two years I was sure God was calling me the fish- to the mission field. And he, and he wasn't. He, well, this mission field. But not overseas. I, but I prayed with people and I sought the Lord about it. And two years later, he confirmed some things. It took that long. But we care about the urgings of the Spirit in your heart. And if this is what God loves, this is what we love, then we will do the best we can to invest in you. Another thing I'll piggyback on to number eight is not only consider a missions conference, but consider going to a Bible college. You know, a lot of times young people aren't sure what they want to do with their lives. They're not sure if they want to continue their education or not. Go to a Bible college, even if it's just for a year or a certificate, two-year certificate. Go and surround yourselves with people that have a heart for God. They're, They're struggling with the same thing. God, how do you want me to serve you? It will have a phenomenal impact in your life. Just consider that. So a lot of people that went to my Bible college, they had four-year degrees or they were going to go somewhere else and get their degree, but they came there to learn the Bible, to equip themselves to be disciples for Christ. It is a very, very wise investment. And then lastly, very simply, we want to just continue. We already have a lot of good things in place, but one of the things we have in place Every Sunday is praise and prayer. And so I want to encourage you to continue to use that time as opportunity 
to share how God has used you. How is God opening up opportunities? He's he's working. He's busy. So recently, Barb shared that God had stirred her heart, just spontaneously stirred her heart to go to Guatemala for a short-term mission. That encourages us to hear what God is doing in your life. Maybe you had an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody. Maybe somebody, whatever it is, any step that we take, let's be diligent and open before the Lord to encourage one another in this direction with our praise and prayer because that will help us stay focused on this mission of proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. We exist to glorify God, to edify the saints, and to evangelize the lost. May God just stir our hearts in this passage. Now we're going to close the book to Matthew, but I'm going to warn you that 2 Corinthians is still going to hit on discipleship.